If you don't know that much about quantum computing, there's no need to feel bad. You are far from alone. In November of 2019, Jack Hittery, who is affiliated with Google and is the author of Quantum Computing, an Applied Approach, said that he believed only 800 people in the world have the expertise needed to truly understand how to apply quantum algorithms. Some of those people work at Seek, a quantum computing company headquartered in Elmsford, New York, with facilities in London and Naples, Italy. Seek's approach to building a quantum computer is quite unique and offers a roadmap for scalable application-based quantum computers, which can be leveraged to solve some of the world's greatest challenges. This is a series of interviews published by that company. In this episode, Seek Creative Director Frederick Karlstrom meets with senior physicist Patrick Truitt to talk about design and simulation of qubits as well as Seek's work with NASA. If you want to know more about Seek and the work they do to make computers for the quantum age, you can visit them at seek.com. Now, the conversation with Patrick Truitt. So tell me what you do here at Seek. I feel like I've done a little bit of everything here, but mostly these days I'm, I'm focusing on design and simulation of qubits. And I also am the uh, PI for a NASA project that we're working on as well. So tell me more about that. So, you know, at Seek, we also do um, projects for external customers, uh, for industry and government and academia. And one of our government customers right now is NASA. They asked us to design readout circuits for uh, superconducting sensors that they use to measure cosmic microwave background radiation. So, I mean, the, the cosmic microwave background radiation is the radiation left over from the Big Bang. And by measuring the, the distribution of that radiation in the sky, you can sort of determine things about the origins of the universe and, and things like uh, you know, gravitational structure and things like that. So one of the ways they measure that is with these superconducting sensors called transition edge sensors that are very sensitive measures of radiation. And they need cryogenic readout circuits for these because they operate at very cold temperatures. And so we're fabricating those at SEEK, uh, designing them and fabricating them and testing them, hopefully for future uh, missions that NASA will do to, to measure this radiation. So how does that work? Could you help me understand the process of NASA becoming one of our clients? Various government agencies throughout the year will have uh, calls for proposals for the small business grants. They're either called SBIR or STTR. And we've applied for several of these. Uh, one of them was uh, through NASA. Uh, we applied for uh, a grant proposal that was asking for someone who could design and fabricate cryogenic uh, circuits for doing readout of their superconducting sensors that they use to measure cosmic microwave background radiation. So we applied for that and we won phase one and we were able to successfully develop a prototype circuit and we are now working on phase two um, to optimize that circuit and scale it up to larger arrays. Tell us about your background and what you were doing before you came here. Um, before I was here, I was actually, well, I was at Hyperus. For that. But before that, I was actually a professor, taught at Marco State University in New Jersey for a few years and one year at Wesleyan University. What did you teach? Physics. How do you explain quantum physics to someone that doesn't really get physics at all, like me? I think the heart of quantum is that basically on the, the limitations of measurement that certain properties of the universe or of, of any object, you can only measure, you can't measure simultaneous properties to arbitrary precision. That might sound like a, a simple thing, but it has very profound implications for experiments and for the way nature behaves. If you were at a dinner party and someone asked you what you do, how would you respond? I would say that I am a physicist, that I work on uh, designing circuits for quantum computing. 
and also for superconducting electronics. And what would you say if someone said, what is quantum? How would you describe it? So I'd say a quantum computer is a uh, new type of computer that uses a fundamentally different computing paradigm. It uses quantum mechanics as opposed to classical physics as the underlying structure of how it does computation. If you had to name three, five, or however many moments in history that if they hadn't happened, we wouldn't be here, what would those moments be? You know, obviously at Seek, we're, we're building on sort of a legacy of understanding the universe and understanding uh, how quantum mechanics works and, and using that to actually to do useful things. In terms of the history of quantum mechanics, I think you know, some key milestones were there's a lot of things that happened in the, the early 1900s up to you know, around 1930, where a lot of experiments were demonstrating that the universe didn't behave like people thought it did. So things like understanding the photoelectric effect and seeing that light behaves as a particle when it had seemed like it was behaving like a wave before that. Things like the discovery of the spin of the electron, um, which is, can be thought of as an analog to what we today call a qubit, and the discovery that nature is non-classical. And then throughout you know, the 1900s all the way up to today, we've gone from understanding nature as quantum mechanical to now actually putting that into practice and using that to do powerful computations that we haven't been able to do before. And that's what we're trying to lead to. So if you and the team here succeeds, what will the impact to the world, or to you personally, be if this all works out? If quantum computing succeeds, we'll be able to do computations that are just not tractable with a classical computer. No matter how big you make that classical computer, it's just unfeasible that we would be able to, to do these calculations. And that's going to have profound implications for things like uh, simulating materials, simulating molecules, all the way up to therapeutics and drugs, to being able to do experiments about quantum mechanics and understand quantum mechanics at a deeper level, which is kind of what I'm really excited about. And, you know, all the way up to things like optimization, that'll be a big deal as well, being able to optimize very large data sets. As we're working on the hardware, there's other people that are, and people that we partner with that are working on the applications, and that's progressing just as much as the hardware is, I'd say. So tell me a little bit about Seek's approach to quantum versus how others are approaching it. I think the interesting approach of Seek is that we're not just working on the qubits and, and optimizing the, the quantum layer of the hardware, but also our unique approach to the control layer as well. And that, that's a major part of our development and what we're working on, and that we have a very unique approach to manipulating these quantum systems that is much more natural for them because it's an inherently cryogenic control system. So it makes much more sense in that, in that way than using a room temperature control system that's operating at a very different temperature. So this is a difficult field, obviously, physics, computing. If you had a piece of advice for someone who is working at a big corporation, perhaps, or thinking about making investments in this field, what would be the first step for anyone who wants to get in or truly understand quantum? Can I like suggest books and stuff? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if someone wanted to uh, get into quantum or was interested in, in working in the, the quantum space, um, I mean, there's lots of material online that, you know, YouTube and, and just Google quantum computing, you'll find uh, all sorts of tutorials and things. But I would say talking to, to a company like Seek that's working on it is, is a good way to do that because that we can help them understand, you know, what quantum computing can do and they will, in turn, help us understand what kind of problems they're working on, which 
since we're taking an application-specific approach to quantum computing, we need to know what kind of applications people are looking for, and then we can see if we can, we can help them with that. So talk a little bit about that, application-specific versus general purpose. Why are we doing it? What's the purpose? What's the benefit? I think the reason we're doing the application-specific approach is it's the fastest route to commercialization, uh, whereas a general-purpose quantum computer may require thousands, if not millions, of qubits. You may be able to do something very useful, maybe specific, not general, but useful with a smaller number of qubits, a smaller system. And so we're trying to get as quickly as possible to a useful commercial product that actually gives some advantage to a customer. Does that mimic any other developments in history? I mean, there's lots of you know, application-specific circuits in, in classical computers as well, right? There's things that are tailored to doing specific things, like uh, you know, your, graphical, your graphics card in your computer that has a GPU instead of a CPU. And those you know, started as very specific circuits tailored towards specific tasks, but now, I mean, GPUs are used in all sorts of things besides graphics. They've actually ended up in some ways being more powerful than CPUs for many tasks. So. It's, it's definitely an approach to take, not just to get one specific thing working, but it could have power beyond that as well. So the approach to collaboration, how do you work together? Do you see uh, a benefit of having everything in-house? The uh, collaboration here is, is very important and it's very strong. You know, it's really what lets us make progress. The, the control side, the, the SFQ technology side, it needs to understand what they're controlling, what the qubit looks like, uh, what kind of signal it expects, what you need to provide to it to control it coherently, and what kind of signals are gonna come out of the qubit that you're trying to, to measure. And similarly, the, the qubit team needs to know what kind of signals can the SFQ circuit provide and, and what can it measure. Um, and then we have to work together and meet in the middle and make sure that those work together to give us coherent control and readout of, of the qubit. Is there any concept in physics or in what we're doing that you are particularly fascinated by or that really hurts your head thinking about it? Yeah, I'd say I'm fascinated by this, uh, this principle called entanglement, which is uh, a lot of people would say is sort of the resource that gives quantum computing its power. It's a sort of a non-classical correlation between systems. So you can have two qubits that are they're correlated in a way that's not a, not a classical sense. So if you measure one qubit to be, say, in the, the one state, the other qubit would be correlated, either opposite or the same, even if they were separated from a very large distance and there was no way a signal could communicate between them, those measurements would be, would be correlated. And it has really deep implications for interpreting quantum mechanics and, and what it means and, and how it differs from classical physics. Basically, you have to give up one, one of your sort of cherished notions of, of how the universe works, you either have to say that the universe is non-local, which means that uh, somehow there's communication between these particles that's happening faster than the speed of light, or you have to sort of give up some sense of realism. You have to say that, you know, the, the state of this qubit did not exist before you measured it. Tell me a bit about the scalable energy efficient part. Why is that so important? What makes it scalable and what are we doing differently from other companies? The approach to Seek is a scalable uh, approach because we are putting the control circuitry on a chip that's sort of bump bonded in an MCM module, a multi-chip module directly uh, with the qubit chip so that we don't have the wiring problem that other approaches have. Uh, once we get signals down to that chip, then we can multiplex those signals across an array of qubits and use that one chip to control many qubits. And it's also energy efficient because we're using SFQ technology, which is a uh, very energy efficient technology that inherently lives at a cryogenic temperature. So part of the reason we're doing this 
interview in the first place is to sort of create a brand around Seek and to create a platform that brings what we're doing in the lab out into the mainstream. Do you think that that's important? It's not terribly common that a deep tech company has a brand that they care about. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's important in the sense that uh, I think more people than currently are aware of quantum computing should be aware of it, even though it may be a ways off before it sort of touches everybody's lives. When it, if it ever does eventually, it'll be a pretty profound effect on people. So I think it's good that, you know, if, if having a brand makes more people aware of us and what we're doing and just aware of what quantum computing is in general, I think that's sort of good for society in the long run. This can be intimidating to a lot of people, even people who work here. Some could think, you know, oh, I'm not that smart or I don't have a PhD. What would your advice be for someone who's interested but maybe a tiny bit intimidated by this world? You know, ultimately, you know, we're trying to build a useful quantum computer that, you know, it'll have an interface that should be approachable. I mean, just like, you know, the inside of how an actual, a regular computer works is intimidating, right? There's transistors, there's wires, there's all sorts of circuitry going on there that you know, most of the average person does not understand what's going on there, but they still use a computer every day. And I think that's what we eventually hope for quantum computing as well, that there'll be some interface that people can understand and, and use it to do useful things. Thanks for listening. For more of these conversations, go to wherever you get your podcasts, search Conversations for the Quantum Age, and hit subscribe. You can learn more about Seek and the work they do by going to seek.com. That's S-E-E-Q-C.com. This conversation was recorded at Seek's headquarters in Elmsford, New York. The series is produced by Seek creative director Frederick Hallstrom, who also did the interview. It was edited and sound engineered by Badia Shihab. The title music was composed by Anders Okergren, using sounds recorded at the Seek chip foundry in Elmsford, New York. My name is Tyler McLean. See you next time.